0: Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
1: You listen to All Talk with Tom and Eddie from Hello Sport. Back for another week of dribble and yarn with some of the most interesting people in sport in Australia. And this week is no different. We are talking this week to the one and only Panthers Premiership winner, rugby league funny man from back in the day, Triple M rugby league commentator now, Ryan Gerdler. How you doing, mate?
2: Yeah, I'm well, boys. I'm really well. How are you guys?
1: Not too bad. Thank you very much for doing this. All right. Very much appreciated. Pleasure,
2: Yeah, yeah. No problem at all. It's always nice to have a chat.
1: So you've moved up to the Noosa hinterland. and I mean, you'll have us believe that it's because you just, you know, COVID. But I've got it on good authority that you were kicked out of the peninsula for all the manly hate you've been saying. (laughs) Yeah. Flat track bullies yeah, and the like. Have you? Uh, no, have you got any? We'd like <laughs> you to answer to some of the comments you've made about the seagulls over the years, because we certainly get pounded over the years? by it. Well, no. over the when was flat well, track bullies since, last year? Since
0: about this time last year is when it started to leak its way into the the population. Yeah, the conversation, the conversation, and the blowback for Tom and I as sort of the face of the club <laughs> has been. Uh, tremendous. Yeah. Trying times for Tom and okay. I. We just want I think we're looking for an apology. Hey, Ed, for are me. you uh, are you a Manly fan as well? Yep, you better believe it, mate. You are, okay. Yep. Are you on the peninsula or are you? Oh, I'm no longer on the yeah. peninsula, no. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. I am um, um, but just just to give you a sense of how important we are for the club, we are attending the Black Tie Gala Awards dinner on Monday night yeah. where the guests of honor. Oh, so just I thought I'd clear that up.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, no, you'll, you'll really enjoy that. It's been a great season for the, uh, <laughs> the boys. They'd be on a real high right about now. <laughs> going into finals week. <laughs> um, look, no, no, you know, I, I love the area. Um, I lived there for like, almost over 20 years. Um, and a lot of the boys, you know, would come into the stores and had built some really good relationships with them. And, yeah, we, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I guess those comments were just based around, you know, me kind of doing my job and and you know, you ask Tom, you know, you go in there and you kind of gotta say what you think. And I've made a bit of a habit of doing that sometimes. And it's not always in the best interest of my personal life or um or the business sense. You know, we had there was um there was Facebook movements around, you know, boycotting girdler stores and so forth. Was there really so much, yeah, you know, we got so much pushback on the we had like, you know, core cool senior group meetings about how we're gonna handle the fallout. And it was <laughs> It was pretty heavy, yeah. Like, did you, know, you really? That's wild. Pretty, yeah. People take their sport pretty seriously. You know, I didn't get waves for a couple of weeks. You know, I was <laughs> bullied in the water. It was a bit nuts. <laughs> but you know, you got to just, you know,
1: it's part of the job. Yeah. Guys. So um, we didn't start it. Facebook yeah, you know, groups. It wasn't that much fun. We yeah. we promise we didn't start any he, of those movements. or try yeah, and get you kicked out of the kicked out of the beaches. We were calling you. Yeah, we were you know. calling you the, the the Trojan horse of the peninsula. You come in under the auspices of just trying to give people coffee, and then once we let you in, you just shit all over us. Mm.
2: Yeah, and yeah. as someone who I looked up a, to uh,
1: greatly, you know, it was it was quite a kick to the teeth.
2: <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't it it, it wasn't something that was. Um, I mean, I, I remember I was just sort of coming in that morning, and I worked with Tony Squires on, on the Saturday show there, and I was having a, and Tony was talking about how good Manly were, and I, you know, they had a run of of games against, you know, not so quality opposition, and they we're about to sort of launch into the into the finals, and we were, I think we we're one week out, or they might have got they might have won their first semi and had a, I believe they had a bit of a rails run into that prelim final against South Sydney, and. Um, yeah, I just think over the last couple of years, Manly just haven't um, they they just haven't been able to really compete um, against the better sides. And I, I went through the details of, of why I felt yeah. that last year is basically around like their middle and so forth. They just just didn't think they had the intensity and and what was needed to compete against the Melbournes and the Panthers and so forth. And and I guess somehow that sort of got proved right when they came up in the house and they kind of got blown away in that prelim. And that was a game where I was kind of watching beta of breath. I was thinking, oh, gee, if they win, it's going to be the longest couple of weeks of my life. But <laughs>
1: well,
0: thankfully, when you, thankfully when, they
2: didn't.
1: When you, say, like, cause when you say something like that, and then you see it blow up in the media and not like it was, I mean, it wasn't crazy, but you know, like you get, you were getting quoted everywhere much more so than maybe just a regular week from the Saturday NRL show. Do you take, are you a bit like, I don't know, wigged out or are you like, ah, oh, shit, here we go. Or are you just sort of like, it's, it's par for the course. It is what it is.
2: Yeah. I usually it's, it's kind of par of the course. I mean, you know, essentially, I was off contract at the time too, and you know that's the—it's a funny world in which you know we play and things like that are, are, are good for the network. They're good for you know um, that show, and they, they bring publicity and um, to what we're trying to do. And um, and and also, you know, it's good when it's not fabricated. You know, we don't go looking for headlines, but when they generally sincerely just come on the back of you know what your opinion is, which is what we're paid to give. Well, then it even makes more sense. And the fact that it it, it was sort of, you know, to some degree um, validated at some point just kind of made it all a little bit easier to handle. But, I, you know, I'm not a big guy on social media, but there's a lot of uh, interaction around what, what we do these days and direct to us. So you need to be kind of like the players. I guess you need to be. Um, ready for what comes your way. I've got a lot of really good friends in the area that are diehard Manly fans. And honestly, they, you know, they weren't talking to me for a while. They took it really personally. Um, honestly, I've got, and they're still talking about it today. And every chance they get, you know, they'll send me a message or they'll try and they, they, honestly, they haven't, um, they haven't forgiven me for that. <laughs> I'll take that to the grave. And and I kind of find, I have to say, I find that a little bit amusing. We kind of need to, it's a sport at the end of the day, boys. Yeah. We kind of need to move along, but I'm glad people are passionate about it. You know that's what makes our job so much better when we can um, affect people in a some sort of emotional way, right?
0: Yeah, that's yeah, sure. right. How considered are you with your opinions when you know there can be this sort of backlash, mm-hmm. or you're never really sure how seriously your comments will be interpreted?
2: You don't, and you don't always have you know a lot of time to think about it. Like especially. Um, you know, when they're discussion-based and it's all live and, you know, sometimes you spend, you know, six hours on air and everything you say, obviously once it's gone, it's gone and we don't have an opportunity like you boys to sit back and go through it and edit it and whatnot, you know. So you've got to, it's exhausting, you know, so you got to make sure that you're, you know, you, you're willing to stand by whatever it is that comes out of your mouth during that period. so um, So, you know, you need to make sure that, um, you are be really clear-headed because you can get yourself in a fair bit of, of trouble and not so much trouble but it can just basically be it can be time-consuming dealing with the fallout of some of the things and especially around relationships you know and coaches and you've got to be honest and upfront about um, and, and willing to say what you actually think and you've got relationships with a lot of people in the game as well and I find it, you know, that it's best if you just can't take that into consideration, you know, because if you start looking after people, you start running agendas. Um, I think then it's really, it's really easy to fall on your sword, you know, because I think you just need to be balanced across, you know, all your opinions, regardless of, like Freddie's good mate of mine at Origin time, you know, and a lot of good mates of mine and Fitzie and that are coaches and so forth. So if you're going to have it, if you're going to say something about a coach that you know you don't have a good relationship with well, then you need to be willing to say it against someone that you do have a good relationship with. And I think if you take – I always take sort of that attitude in and if I find, you know, I'm I'm, um, sort of, you know, aligned with those beliefs, well, then uh, what can you do? You just got to – you're paid to give your opinion, so you've just got to lay it out there.
1: You listen to All Talk with Hello Sport, thanks to Neds. Take your betting to the Neds level and download the fully loaded Neds app today. But always gamble responsibly. Our guest this week is Ryan Gerdler. Uh, we will, you know, get a bit of like some more footyish questions or careery sort of questions. But I wanted to touch on like you've always been someone from the moment I first met you, where it was like you don't seem like maybe what m- what my preconception of like a former NRL player would be. And this is no disrespect to any former NRL players listening, but you're very well spoken. I don't know, you just you're intelligent, and I'm not trying to <laughs> blanket all of them, but <laughs> you're. Uh, you know, you've got you, a successful... Let me
2: get my wife she show. Like, oh, I'd love it
1: to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll clip it up for you. Yeah, I'll yeah, clip it up well, for you man. and I'll send it through. Yeah. But, you know, you've got a right. successful business um, and then now you've fled the peninsula to the to the hinterland and you've sort of got a bit of a new agey lifestyle. <laughs> to whatever end you're prepared to share with us what that looks like, I'd, I'd be yeah. very interested to hear a bit more about it.
2: Okay. Um... Well, I think, um, yeah, I I agree, mate. Like I've never, um, how do you put it? Like I've always had other interests outside of rugby league. You know, I've uh, I've never been a guy that sort of watched when I was playing, I felt like I needed balance, you know, and I needed to make sure I was still surfing or make sure I wasn't just 24-7 rugby league. And I think some people are up front and they need that and they benefit from that. And I actually think that I probably could have watched a little bit more of it now that I'm, an analyst, I realised how probably important it was to to probably watch. Uh, I would watch the big games, and if I wasn't involved in Origin and stuff and and finals, I would watch them. Um, but and if it was a Good Friday night game or the match of the round or whatever, I would have a look at it. But I didn't really probably understand when I was playing the benefits of of watching a lot a lot of footy. I, I sort of what because I watch so much of it now. Um, that I think, oh, gee, I think I actually could have been a better player if I if I would have watched a little bit more of it. But I believed at the time that, you know, I was watching you go in on Monday and Tuesday, you're watching video and you're just surrounded by, you know, the, the game. And, and one of the most difficult things I struggled with when during my career was <clears throat> you lose the perspective of what's going on on the outside because essentially you're the topic. So, you know, everyone that you speak to just in day to day life, want to speak to you about you because you're of interest. It's like, you know, how's you going? How's the team? How's your form? Blah 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 blah. So you get caught up in at times thinking that you know you're really just the only one in existence walking around, and you and you really don't know what's going on around you. So I think it was it was really clear and for me that I needed to make sure that I kind of was. I had what the game was in perspective and I did some other things and I communicated with people in the outside world and kept some sort of balance because it is really easy to get caught up in yourself because everyone else is kind of caught up in in what you're doing. So even family in that at times are like, you know. Um, so, yeah, for, for me it was just important to, to find that balance and make sure that I, I understood that, you know, the, the sun comes up the next day and uh, fortunately we didn't have social media so... I wasn't. You didn't really have direct contacts with fans, but every time you'd go to the service station, or the news agents, or you go for a beer, or you go out for dinner, or whatever, people are just in your face talking to you about you know you and your career or the game or so forth. So I, I didn't handle that so well. So I I had times where I didn't you know didn't go out and that a lot, and I would just sort of you know internally just keep to myself, and um, and that was kind of one way I balanced it out at times, but um yeah it's it's a, it's a difficult thing to try and, and keep perspective. so that was one of the things that I um, I valued. And then when I retired, um, you know I, I my parents had always run small business so it was kind of like okay, what am I going to do? I had opp- opportunities in the media, but I felt like um, I needed to, to, to do something else. I wasn't ready to you know 33 to retire from the game and then even though you know, it, it was an opportunity there, but I just didn't want to suck off the boob for the, the rugby league for my whole life. I wanted to go out there and get some more perspective on, you know, time, find money. You're, you know, you're a 20 year old kid and you're getting paid shitloads of money. You know, so you know what is it like to earn money? How does that feel? You know, am I then going to be a little bit more cautious with the way that you know I spend money and so forth? Because you get some really bad habits, right? So for me, that was all important, and my wife was from from overseas and. I never really settled down uh, when I was playing because I only ever really was good at one thing at a time, I thought, and I needed to sort of focus on what I was doing. So, um, yeah, we met at the, you know, the end of my career and she was from overseas. So I was able just to, as soon as I retired, just drop everything I was doing here and go and live in Germany for like, you know, six months of the year, which was just, you know, a real eye-opener. Be able to just walk around anonymously, you know, going through and living life just like a almost like a backpacker in the middle of Munich, you know, it was wild for me. So that was really good. And then uh, when I came back, I I needed to, you know, do something. So that's when I, I bought the cafes and started building the business. And, and yeah, and it wasn't until like 2012 until, um, you know, Triple M came sort of knocking and said, mate, you've been out of the game for a while. Would you be interested in doing some uh, analysis and so forth? And, and then I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't watch a lot of the game when I wasn't playing it because I was um, – I just needed a bit of a break from it. I was, t- I was telling Tommy the other day, you know, you asked me about games from like 2005 to 2011. And I couldn't tell you too much about that, that, that part of the um, NRL era, to be honest, because, you know, I was doing other things.
1: Well, you were saying even you were like, I came back to the game and I was like, Jesus, Joey's an immortal. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, missed all this yeah, amazing well, um, I mean, I'm I'm missed all that you. yeah <laughs> yeah I did I,
2: I missed it I missed a lot of those um, those moments for those guys that had and and um, you know who who dominated through that era obviously Joey and those guys that dominated for all that period of time you know I really missed it so um, which was great you know because it, it made me realize when I came back to uh, the game in 2012 I was ready to, to get involved in it again I was passionate about it again because I think some stage will you know, personally speaking, I lost that desire and that passion to be around the game because I just kind of felt like there was more to life. So, at that point, I was ready to come back and now I've been you know, broadcasting for just on over 10 years. So, that's how it's, it's sort of rolled out. What
0: took you What took you up to the peninsula? Uh, what took you out of the peninsula, rather, and up to up to the Noosa hinterland?
2: Um, we wanted to get... Um, my wife and I felt like we wanted to sort of get a little bit of land. Like we lived in a nice part of the beaches um, and we had like a, a, like a nature reserve next to us. And um, the the kids have always sort of wanted to have animals. and We've always wanted to, we sort of grown our own food and stuff. So we sort of wanted to step that up a little bit more, get a little bit more land um, and do that in an area where there's, you know, waves, there's, there's education. I think when your kids get to a certain age and you're, you know, you're going to, move from one area that you're pretty settled into another, you know, education and those decisions around development is pretty, pretty important. So we need to make sure we ticked all those boxes. Um, and yeah, the climate, you know, like it's, it's an amount, it's been pretty wet, but it's amazing up here. You guys have probably been up here. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and most importantly, there's no Queenslanders here. Everyone I meet from Melbourne or Sydney. So <laughs> yeah, that's Well, that's perfect. That's Cause nice. it would yeah. be
0: a concern of mine moving to Queensland, yeah. just, you know, how separate can I keep them from me? Noose is a place to do it. That's though. the place Noose to do heaven. it. You've absolutely nailed it. This is all talk with Hello Sport. We're on SEN and we're talking to Ryan Girdler.
1: Can you can you give us an insight into uh, some of the medicinal experiences that you have uh, engaged in to maybe alter your, your your state of consciousness or your mind, Girds? Because I'm interested. <laughs> but yeah, I, sure. you know, well look. Um,
2: look, I think, um, and I, I mean the, the, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks with the Green situation and so forth, I think that, um, you know, when you transition out from professional sport, um, you go from, you know, being with a lot of guys having a, a, a really sort of strict regime and having everything sort of done for you, you know, bills paid for you, you get a shoot at the start of the week and it tells you where you need to be and what time you need to be there and what you need to wear and how you need to behave and all these sorts of things. So you become, it becomes pretty regimented, yeah, and you, you really, you know, and if that's a big part of your life for a long period of time and then all of a sudden that stops happening and you're just there and it's like you wake up and you're not told what to do and how you're going to do it, what you're going to wear when you do what even you don't know what you're going to do. So it's like well, how do I get some routine in that into my life? So um, and I think that's really important for that transitional phase because we all get lost. You know, I didn't have family and kids and so forth that kind of give you a little bit of structure. I was just kind of like waking up going, shit, okay, there's no waves. <laughs> oh, man, what am I going to do, honestly? Like, yeah. what am I going to do? Yeah, it was crazy. It was really weird, you know. So, um, and financially, you know, you can do that for a certain amount of time, but you also need to, you know, you need to find a purpose and it's really important that, you know, you, when you go from such an intense um, career It's not like you're just, you know, you're giving up being, no offence to school teachers, but a school teacher and whatever, you're giving up professional sport, which is a full-on sort of, you know, go and run out in front of 60, 70,000 people and having these highs and lows and how do you replace that? Well, you can't replace that. So then you need to start getting yourself ready to transition into something that, you know, is going to give you a little bit of purpose and something that, you know, you're passionate about or something you can make a difference with. And they're not easy things to find. I think you kind of go through this Transition of I don't want to do this I don't want to do this I don't want to do this and you try all these different things and then I I was lucky I sort of found what my niche or what I wanted to do what I was passionate about and was able to sort of dive into that but for me it was um, also you, you sort of internally need to sort of look at how you are and the scars of you know that you've come out with or the trauma or whatever it may be and fix yourself up and then sort of move forward so I was able to. Um, do that through a lot of different things but yeah i went down the um the path of some additional um, um, ceremonies um over the years and a lot of meditation a lot of different things like that looking sort of outside of generally things that a lot of guys would do to try and heal certain parts of um you know whatever it is that they need to heal Um, and i get it i to this day you know I, i meditate twice a day and it gives me a really clear head and keeps me really focused and um, I eat really well. eat a lot of organics, mainly our new organics. We grow a lot of our own food and if we eat meats and stuff, you know, the the highest quality and so forth. And that's the way I've sort of chosen to raise, live and raise my family. So, um, but, yeah, my my business partner's um, Colombian and his wife's hold ceremonies uh, with a thing called San Pedro, uh, which is like a cactus, which is not like uh, most people have, uh, I've probably heard of that there's different ones out there, but um, this one's probably not as popular. It's not as potent uh, as some of the other ones. Um, and um, I think ayahuasca, most people might have heard of ayahuasca, but this yeah. one's sort of a little bit lesser of an extreme. Um, and, yeah, we so this one time we hired a, um, a house on an island Um um, over at uh, just off Palm Beach there. What's that, Mackerel, Mackerel Beach or whatever it was over there? you get across there on the ferry. You've been yeah, there, there, there's
0: Scotland Islands over there in that part of the world. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. like that, and yeah. We, we got a
2: house and we brought a shaman out from Colombia. who's like a traditional indigenous shaman. It, it just goes around giving ceremonies. And he brought the San Pedro out. And so basically it's like the root of a cactus or it's a cactus and they shave it down and they cook it up. And you basically you, – yeah. You, a consumer in San Pedro, you don't eat all day and you go in at like 10 o'clock at night um, and then like it, it comes as sort of like a carver. it sort of comes in about a 50 mil shot and then you have that and then he takes you through, you know, a ceremony of, you know, self-discovery or so forth and it's pretty confronting and you go through different emotions and anyway at about 1 o'clock you have another go and then you sort of go through the whole night and in the morning you sort of you get up and, you know, you've um You've had as everyone has a different experience, and then you move on. So I sort of got home after my wife and I did it, and my kids were at home with my parents were up at the time, and um, I wasn't kind of feeling hundred percent. I was a little bit uh, a little bit left of center, and and I remember I got home, and it was the middle of sort of summer, and I and I picked up the cat, and <clears throat> it was tick season. We sort of lived in the. And we lived in the nature reserve there in the bush and he was always sort of picking up ticks and I was always pulling ticks off him with these tweezers. So I picked him up this one time and I wasn't feeling 100%. I was making some pretty irrational decisions. And I went over and grabbed the tweezers, came back and I pulled his nipple off. Oh. Yeah, I pulled the top of his oh. nipple off. I thought, it, I thought it was a tick. And Jesus. He still hasn't has, forgiven me the bastard, but, um, Oh, no. So if you're going to have any, of, if you're going to have any of those experiences, just make, make sure you're uh, <laughs> stay away from your cat. Stay. stay away from it. Stay away from the pets or the ticks. So, but I mean, there, there's some really good. You know, we've had some really good experiences doing. You know, trying different methods like that, and um, you know, I mean, they're 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 cultural things that have been happening in certain parts of the world for mm. long periods of time. So it was a, it was an honor to be able to do it a couple of times, and um, I think it's something that you can sort of check in. And I mean, you don't do it on a Every week But I think there's opportunities there People who are ready for those sort of experiences Should look them up They're Definitely right. Yeah, they, they do They do um, really help
1: Also, you talk about your meditation It's funny because I was having this chat with my uh, wife About meditation Because she meditates all the time And around like I guess Male perception of meditation And like That, you know Dudes who meditate Are a bit more like Dreadlocks Barefoot Stinky Hippie sort of thing But obviously that's not the case. And someone like yourself who is a, you know, a refined and modern gentleman, Gerds, if I can, if I oh, can wow. you know, if I can throw that good Lord. at you. But, you know, who's able to sort of present uh, meditation in a bit more of a, well, in a different light to maybe how uh, you could see it being stereotypically presented. What's the, how'd you get into meditation? And, like, what's the experience there like for you? Like, what do you do twice a day? How long for? Um
2: Yeah, I I sort of probably been I don't know five or six years now, Um, and and again, you know, my my wife drove a lot of these changes in my life. To be honest, because you know you you don't always you're not always aware that there's you know these options out there, and um, and yeah, we went to some guys up there in in Avalon and had sort of weekend learning how to actually do it properly, um, which was pretty important, you know, and give you some some triggers, and I actually forget what they all are now because it's um, it becomes just kind of part of your sort of the day-to-day practice, right? So, um, and then it's just about, you know, building those routines. And like anything, you know, for me, it was not so much that I was meditating, it was the fact that I was forcing myself to do something consistently twice a day. And I think that sometimes just becomes as important as what you get out of the meditation is actually then building certain routines and that into your life because it builds discipline, right? And, mm. and I'm a guy that kind of, you know, likes to have, discipline in their life i've always lived a pretty disciplined existence so you know not having any discipline i can you know i get really unsettled you know it gives me actual sort of freedom so i need to build things into my day that i know that you know they're points that i can hit um i'm a little i guess i'm a little ocd in certain elements of my life and as opposed to trying to fight that all the time i just you know understand what what i need to do for it and those times that I take out to meditate and train and do my own sort of programs, you know, um, what gives me that kind of freedom. Um, and, but when I'm meditating, I find that again, it's, it's a little bit like, um, if you go in with a lot on your mind, having the, having the, um, discipline to actually drop it all. And then you'd be, you know, really, um, I think you'd be really sometimes surprised at the clarity you can come out of that with if you're willing to drop it all. if you go in there and you just sit there and your mind's going a million miles an hour, you may as well just keep walking around the house doing something else, you know. But if you you build the discipline in and you get to the point where you've been doing it enough that you can just drop everything as you go in there because you know at that point that's what's going to get you the best result, well, then I find that you come out and um, some of the decision-making that after that um, is yeah, it's just, it's so much easier. It's so much simpler. So it's, it's, that's, and that's another thing. Once you start, I think around, you know, fitness and routine and anything like that, once you start feeling the benefits, that's the reward, right? That's what it is. It's like, well, I want to feel like that. So therefore, this is what I need to do to feel like that, whether it's eating healthy, whether it's exercise, whether it's meditation, surfing, whatever it is. And then when you're feeling really good, it's like, well, I feel great. Why do I feel great? This is why. Then I'm going to keep doing that. And that's the motivation for me.
1: How long do you do it for?
2: I usually do it between sort of sometimes half an hour morning, half hour in the afternoon. If I can, if I can, sometimes if I'm deep, I'll just sit there longer and it can take, you know, you can go for an hour, but I'm minimum sort of 20 minutes to half an hour. I don't like to do it any less than that otherwise. Or, but if I don't force it, like if I've got a lot going on and there's shit in the house and it's noisy or whatever. I'm trying to do it and it's not happening But I don't force it. Yeah. Same as with training, I just like acknowledge that now's not the time. I'll get back to it and move on and do something else.
1: You listen to All Talk with Hello Sport. It's Tom and Eddie here and we are talking to the one and only Ryan Girdler, Penrith Panthers legend. Now, Girds, their house with Ryan Girdler, one of the great segments in television history. Arguably and I'm not greatest. even – arguably the greatest in – well, greatest in footy show history, maybe the greatest segment television's produced just ever – like, and I am being a little bit fucking facetious, but, like, it was genuinely my favourite segment of the footy show. It was hilarious. Like, how do you – you were sort of, like, the funny guy in rugby league for a period of your career. You were the funny guy. What was that like? Do you, how do you remember that time?
2: Um, Yeah, it was it, – yeah, it was – it was an interesting period that, I mean, I I think Maddie Johns ended up coming into one of those shows and Fletch as well. And I think on the back of, I mean, their talent was always going to be recognized at some point, but Maddie came in as a flight attendant at one, one, one show. And then everyone just realized how funny Maddie Johns was, you know, and and Fletch did a, did one of them as well. And I think then everyone got a good look at, you know, how sharp Fletch is as well. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, there was fatty and, and, and that, there
1: wasn't a lot of... There wasn't Fox tour really back then. So. You're being humble here, though. Um, what about you? You were the funny guy. That's what I'm talking about. You were funny. No, yeah, you were hilarious. Like, I, I was kind
2: of... Yeah, I was... Yeah, well, I mean, I just had to play this sort of a dry, straight guy, right?
1: Um, but that, to me, was the thing that was funniest about the way you did it. And again, I'm sorry. I just mm-hmm. don't feel passionately about this, goods, and I don't want you to start talking about Fletch and Maddie, who are funny in their own right. But, like the way that you delivered those lines in their house, that when they were the straight lines and, you know, like there was one where you jag a three-pointer and you're at Gordy's mum's house or something and it's just like, oh, yeah, look, I come around a lot. Like there were just so many <laughs> of these lines. Did you – It was brave. Huh? <laughs> well, Very. Did you come up with these – like did you write uh, – were these things like scripted or written and like did you do a lot of the production around it? How Like how involved were you in all of it?
2: Yeah, so a lot of it was just making sure that we did it with guys that I had really good relationships with because it was really important that I felt comfortable around just to, for us to just to you know talk shit and that and that's essentially what it was. So it was a little bit of a loose format where we would we would have an idea. There would always be like that reveal. We would kind of discuss the production with that. Um, Simon still did it. Like was uh, was really cool. So we'd sort of come together and just work out, okay, what's a good reveal, what's relevant to the guy that we're going to do? Um, And then on the back of that, it would just put us, we would then try and build situations in where it it would be like me. You know, I I think one of the skills I had during that was to get the guy um, in an environment where he didn't feel like he was on camera and he could be himself. And that was just by the way that I would lead him um, into the discussion and how I would break it down and make him so comfortable that then you would get those comments out of him, you know, they would loosen right up. And and I think that was kind of, the, yeah, the whole um, the whole premise of the show was just to let people have a look at a couple of guys that they sort of watch playing footy just being guys and, and just, you know, throw a couple of gags in there with it. But I think, you know, the whole show was around just showcasing you know, the personalities and the relationships that generally people, you know, didn't get to see um, because mm. it wasn't a 24-hour NRL Fox show with, you know, 25 guys on it all working full-time. You know, they didn't have yeah. any of that. You had yeah. you had the footy show and, and that was kind of about it. So people didn't get to see and understand, um, you know, there was, I think there might have only been three or four games tele- televised every week. So any chance people got at that point to have a look in behind sort of the... The screen so to speak um, they loved it so yeah we really took advantage of that and Mia um, yeah, came up with a couple of years of some pretty funny sort of stuff so it was just a combination of uh, yeah good, really good production and I think just getting the right people on and and then just showcasing those relationships that uh, we could break down in front of um, the audience.
1: Were you nervous sorry Eddie were you nervous before like the first one went out? Like we, and then to have the success afterwards, like that must have been kind of satisfying. You're like, oh, shit, this is actually like really popular.
2: Um, I don't, mate, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think we ever, you, you didn't sort of get that sort of feedback that you get these days. Yeah. You know, there wasn't clips everywhere or there wasn't people, you know, talking about it or, you know, it was just something that, that we did that, uh, that people seemed to like. So, um, I was never really nervous about it. No, you know, it, did, it just wasn't. You know, still playing at the time, so it wasn't it wasn't a career. It was just something we were doing on the side that that seemed to work. You know, I did a fishing show there for a while as well, which was kind of an absolute disaster. <laughs> um, but but I look at that, but I look back at that now, and I think that's probably funnier than the other one. But you know, I, I think we had four series of it. We went out with four different. Um, people and didn't catch a fish you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious it's so funny and you just put you know two guys and professional fishermen on a boat uh for like five hours don't catch a fish and that's funny tv right <laughs> yeah. and that happened a few times i'm not sure what was that called i don't know what that was called but it's that was uh, tragic we- it was tragic so um we're gonna make
0: something work gone fishing, gone fishing that that's probably it, yeah, Gone yeah, yeah, yeah. it. very oh, creative that voice. it's tragic <laughs> very <laughs> it's creative yeah. really Had good you, yeah. did you ever think of yourself as the funny guy at any point in your life or did you just find yourself in a situation where you're on a funny show and you're saying funny things but was that ever <laughs> but was that ever like did you ever see yourself as that person
2: absolutely not no that's it's really good the way that you put that you know um no I've never really been a funny guy I actually don't, don't don't speak a lot uh generally so it was kind of um but, but even during that show for me it was it was less less is more like I grew up with a really facetious brother and my family would just always like at our, our conversations were just always banter you know so Christmases I remember one Christmas I you know it was <laughs> I was sort of in my early 20s and I was doing okay so I a bit of money and I came down and i I um, came down to the family Christmas, and, and my brother's a big guy. He's about 115, 120 kilos. And uh, um, <clears throat> we gave gave all the presents out, and we're sitting around at the dinner at the lunch table about to have a big sort of family Christmas, and he walks out without a shirt on and sits down next to me. And I'm like, man, what are you doing? I put a shirt on, bro. He goes, I know I'm just wearing the T-shirt you got me for Christmas. <laughs> like, oh, really? As, yeah, they were <laughs> – and then we're out the back. And I'm like, did I forget you'd get you a Christmas present? He's like, yeah, man, yeah. no, this is it. I'm wearing the shirt. It's cool, huh? And like, just the way, sitting out the back having a beer after lunch, and he starts swinging this golf club. I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm just having a hit with that Christmas present you got me, you know. And the whole day it was just, you know, coming up with different things that I didn't get in for Christmas. So I, I, I think that was just, you know, we just continually took the piss out of each other as a, especially my brother and I, and and the old man used to jump in as well. So. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a lot of content, but it was always sort of short, sharp and, and deliberate. And I think that's where I kind of honed the, um, the, the ability to sort of do that with the boys on, uh, on the show.
1: Yeah, right. That's funny. Your footy career, like, you were, I mean, the Intercept King, I believe, was the the moniker you at least had for a while there. You also had all these records across, like, games played, like, uh, point scoring records and all that sort of stuff in Origin and club games and stuff. Were you a hyper-competitive person as a young – you when you were younger? And, like, did that drive your success? Or were you just a gifted younger player? Um,
2: I was, like, a – I was like a bored flipper over. A,
0: okay. Yeah I,
2: I, yeah, I was that guy. Okay. Like family, you know, yeah. I It's
1: really competitive. No wonder you've taken up meditation.
2: <laughs> really competitive. Like mm. did, did not, you know, when you've got an older brother, you know, that knows how competitive you are and doesn't he doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> and just tortures you, you know, for like years and years and years and do things like, you know, I would go out the back and he would be batting and I would boulder him for like 40 minutes and you'd get him out once and you say, oh, no, you've got to get out, you know, three times and get him out three times in for 40 minutes and then he'd put the bat under his wing and go, that's it for me today, you know, and you'd get that bat, you know, shit like that, you know, and then I would like literally chase him with the stumps, you know, and and so, yeah, just, you know, any sort of game I, I found myself like, and I, and I really have to... Um, watch myself now because I've got two girls, twelve and, and, and ten, and like we play a lot of chess and we play a lot of board games and so forth. And and I really and I'll never let them win, but I, I, I really need to be <laughs> conscious of. I really need to be conscious about how competitive I am, like with in this family environment with my you know my wife and my two kids. It's like pull, I need to pull pull up every now and again. Well, wins um, a win, mate. <laughs> yeah, so. So yeah, I, I guess you could say I was I was a little bit competitive, but we um, we
1: were were so always yeah, good. I, I don't know. We always good. Like we, uh, you know what I mean. Like with from a footy context, like do we always naturally gifted no, or really. do you work? You have to work harder. No, I was harder. really little.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. Like I think I had, um, yeah, like I was never I was never that big, and I, I only made sort of junior reps from about seventeen on. I actually. Um, I actually gave up footy for a couple of years and surfed. So I surfed. I've been surfing since I was eight, and I actually um, it got to like it when I was about thirteen or fourteen, and and started surfing instead of when the surf was good. Instead of going and playing footy, and the old man pulled me aside and said, "Mate, you need to make a decision. You know what are you going to do? You're going to surf or you're going to play footy?" And I said, "I'm actually going to surf." So I, I gave team sports away for for a year and a half, and. Um, and during that time, I had all my mates that were playing in the local footy, so I go, mate, come back, come back. I'm like, nah, I couldn't be bothered. I'm not into it. Want to go surfing and stuff. And then, um, eventually, I was talking to um, one of the Illawarra sort of development officers that I'd known through coming up through the junior league. And he said, mate, why don't you come back? There's an opportunity for you. We're putting this academy together and you could try out for it and stuff. And I said, oh, okay, so what would that look like? And he told me that he said, we're having an open trial. So I ended up going to the open trial after not playing for a while and and doing okay. And then I made this academy squad and then it was kind of like oh then I was sort of put on the path that you know, I think I was, yeah, by that stage it was I was about 16. So playing under 17s or whatever. And then yeah, I sort of followed the path of um, of junior reps and then took it a bit more serious and and still sort of tried to surf as much as I could. But then sort of it was a really it was like um, really quick quick rise and we won the SG ball, which was we had a really good side and then um, and then I was put into like under 21s at like 17, 18. And that was a bit of an experience for a guy that was probably about 68 kilos. Mm. Um, and then you went straight from sort of a year of that at, at eight at 17, 18 straight into first grade, then at like, you know, 18 and a half. So those three years were just fully uh, intense from basically not playing the game to having three years of, um, yeah, in the elevator, and was, straight up to the top floor and do your
1: best. Was surfing actually something you were like considering pursuing or you were just like, I don't want to play footy. I'm just going to hang out and surf.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I had um, I had a couple of local sponsors and so forth when oh, I was that age yeah. and I was in I was in, I was in board riders and stuff. So yeah, you know, I was going okay. I lived I live like about eight hundred metres away from sort of North from the Long Beach. And I was there every day, like every day for like six or seven hours. So you get three sessions in. So um so yeah, I, I, I wasn't considering it as a you know as a profession, but but I was definitely um, I was definitely doing it right. Winning some local competitions and so forth, and starting to do a little bit of traveling that with it, um, and really and just
0: really enjoyed it. Yeah, this is all talk with Hello Sport on SEN. We're talking to Ryan Gerdler now. Gerd's, do you find yeah. yourself ever missing the game and those moments, and you know the competition and the atmosphere and all that sort of thing, or is that just you know that was another life?
2: Um, no, I think I, I find myself. Uh, doing that quite regularly, to be honest, yeah. Really being envious of those situations that those guys are in, like those, um, you know, that those origin sides when they're named and the, and I see I get to see those guys going in for the medical. Man, I, I I'm so envious. Yeah. I'm so envious. It's like I just want that to be me in that car going in to get that medical to have that ten days. You know, that the whole of it, the the experience, whether it's you know in front of eighty thousand at. at um, in New South Wales or, you know, in front of 60,000 at court. regardless of that. But that whole week, you know, getting to meet those guys, go through that medical, prepare for that game, put yourself in that situation. I actually think, you know, mentally I would be in a lot better position to handle those situations, not physically now, but mentally now. I think to myself, I just wish I had the clarity I had now um, to take, you know, the armour that I've built over the last, you know, Ten or so years of doing other things, you know, running businesses and having families and so forth, and a bit more perspective. And think, uh, I think I'm mentally a lot more prepared to handle situation like that now than when I was when I was in my twenties. Mm. And I honestly don't know how I did it. I, I, I honestly think to myself, I just wasn't like mature enough at that age to really understand. I think, I think the only reason I got through all those at that stage in my career was because I really didn't understand. Um, and I was so naive, and I just did what I've always done. But I, I, I mentally must have—I don't think I really checked in, and, and and really understood all those different situations when I was at that part of my career because I wasn't mentally mature enough. Mm. So I, I actually just think now, if I was able to physically do it, I think I would be a much better professional athlete or, or anything. Um, but unfortunately, I'm fifty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you fifty now?
1: <laughs> so I,
2: I'm 50 in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Wow,
1: <laughs> mate, you're looking good for yeah. 50. You're looking good. Yeah, I would I would have yeah. said early 40s, just like yeah. off a vibe. Yeah, oh, 42, you,
0: 41,
2: mate. no, 72, 72. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, 72. I'll be, uh, I'll be 50 in a couple of weeks. So, but yeah, I I, I do. I, I I miss it, mate. I, I miss the challenge. I miss so many different. I actually miss. Um, I, I I say to my wife, you know, I I think about. The areas that I, I could have been better when I was playing, and and I and I'm not sure I was aware of them then, but I'm aware of them now. And it's like if I would have done this, if I would have done this, if I would have done this.
1: Like what areas? I would have do you done think? this because I mean you you know you reach the highest level. So like what's I, the areas? I, uh,
2: I, I didn't see the value, and and it was kind of a it was in the in the industry. It wasn't just kind of me, but I, I was a little bit. I relied on like anticipation and natural ability. I did rely on that a lot. I worked really hard when I got to maybe 28, when I realized that I needed to work hard to to stay where I was. But from I reckon from 19 to 28, like weights were like optional for me. As I said before, I didn't watch a lot of the game. I wasn't really that interested in learning about footy. I loved playing. I like the boys, but I wasn't as invested as as I could have been and I think if I would have been a little bit more invested or I, I call it maturity, as I said before, I'm a lot more mature now and I would approach professional sport differently than what I actually did in your 20s. And I think most guys are like that, right? But you see some guys that are really emotionally and mentally mature at that age that have that really that sort of dominant, uh, that dominance and and in that mentality. Here's my cat, George. Hey, George.
1: Old seven George. nipples, George. <laughs> yeah, there's
2: George. He's, he's just started talking to me again after <laughs> about eight years. So,
1: Did we so, get yeah. the nipple reattached, or is he is he a nipple down?
2: Um, no, it was just it was just it was just ultra. It was just in there something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just a. I just it was just the top of it. It was just like the, the top yeah. part. It wasn't yeah. the full well, nipple. Well, that's the most
1: important yeah. part of the nipple, right? right? The nipple part.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> he wasn't using it for anything. I figured so. <laughs> he's a nipple down. Yeah, he's, he's a nipple down. Serious. And it's and he's yeah, a head. He's, so. Yeah. 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 He's the the he's got a uh, he's got a ring in the other one. So it's all <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, he, he likes to be different.
1: Well, the alternative lifestyles rubbing off on him.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So um, yeah, so yeah, lots of. Um, I, I guess not. Not. Um, I try not to call them regrets, but I guess you know different parts of your life you go through, and you, you, you kind of wish that you could maybe change things a little bit. I I would have liked to see what I actually could have achieved if if I would have been a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say dedicated because you know I was super dedicated, training and that wise, but. I don't know, just, I I guess mature is the word
1: for it. It's interesting though, because you, like I could understand someone who, you know, didn't play New South Wales or Australia who, who, you know, had that sort of, maybe came out of a career having that feeling, but because you were able to do all of those things and achieve all those things, what was it? It's like 10 games for Australia, similar amount for New South Wales, like... One grand finals. I guess it's an interesting insight to hear you say that because it's like you actually were able to do all the things that a lot of most players don't actually get to do. It was but is there like, and again, like you've explained, it should it. have been more
2: Tommy yeah, right. if, if it like right. you know without trying to you
1: know, um,
2: sound for like it, yeah, yeah. It should have been du- it should have been double that mate right. You okay. know, it really should have been yeah. I should have had a, a you know yeah. I, I think I should have done a, a lot more in the game. Because I had the, I think I had the ability to, but I don't think it, when I was young I had the mindset to do it.
1: Mm. Did you? And was there? Is there a is game from your memory, game. like outside of a grand final, obviously, when you, but where you were like the most dominant game you've ever had that you can remember? Where you're like, holy shit, I was really <sighs> on there.
2: Um, look, there was. I, I think. Um, I think there was the the final series in you know, three. Um Yeah. Grand final, I got injured in, but I, th- I think in the lead up to, there was probably four or five games in the lead up to uh, to that grand final where, um, yeah, I, I I just knew what was at stake. I knew that was kind of my only chance, and and I just went into it like a totally different headspace. And I think, uh, yeah, the, the, there was three or four games, like the the prelim final, we 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 were minor premier, so we we won our first semi-final against the Broncos and then a couple of games just before that where, yeah, I, I, I was probably as dominant in yeah. that stage of, and I, and I was pretty old then too, like I was 31, but I had this stage where I was, um, yeah, I was top of my game and making sure that we were going to get
1: into the grand final. And then was, do the damn thing. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks, Gurds. Really appreciate your time, mate. And uh, good luck with everything in the future.